Once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Then I jumped on the bandwagon. I'm your host, Aaliyah, and this is Heavy Business, a podcast where we talk to music industry professionals and musicians and learn together about the music industry, marketing, and other tools that can help you promote the music you put so much effort into creating. Hello and welcome. This is Heavy Business. I'm Aaliyah. And I'm Curtis. And today we are graced with the presence of Anne Swallow, Anne Catherine Swallow. Thank you for being on the podcast. Um, before we dive into it, I would love it if you would just introduce our listeners to yourself and who you are and what you do within the realms of metal. All right. Um, so I'm Anne from Germany. Um, I basically started getting into the metal scene and the whole music business uh, in like in 2016. I started doing PR at Nuclear Blast and then moved over to product management there. Um, at the moment, I'm doing pro- product management for Atomic Fire, but also uh, band management, day-to-day stuff uh, with Epica, Insomnium, uh, Sepultura, and I also do band photography. So yeah, a little bit of everything just to never get bored. That's awesome. I did take a quick peek at the Metal Archives. I Metal Archives, your name. And that was the the one thing that did come up on Metal Archives was photography for a few bands. How did you get into that? And like, do you do, is it more like um, studio pr- promo- promotional photography? Or is it like live photography? Um, Both, actually. Though... Um... The most interesting part is, of course, the the promo photography and just doing real shootings with bands. Um, but yeah, it, it basically started as a hobby, and I've been doing it as a journalist for a couple of years, just uh, shooting concerts, of course. Um, and somehow, I just I just got into that. I remember once we had we had the issue. Uh, at Nuclear Blast that we had a band that didn't deliver their uh, band photos in time. So because we really, really needed magazine covers and everything, they knew like, hey, and you're, you're doing a little bit of photography. Don't you want to try that out? And just like that, basically, I, I got into it and um, took a couple of photos. And then I really started to to enjoy it, actually. And um, yeah, it's, it's not a big part of the job. So it just do like, I don't know, five six shootings a year if at all but um it, it's kind of yeah the, the part that I enjoy doing the most just because it's very relaxing and you don't yeah it's a bit more artsy basically as I'm not a musician at all um I have zero musical talent um, I just found my little artistic side in photography there basically that's cool yeah I imagine it's a little less high pressure um now you are currently performing the the product manager role, as you said, um, with Atomic Fire, and you did for Nuclear Blast before um, before the split. Um, and you mentioned doing PR before that. So can you maybe um, elucidate, shine a little light on the differences between PR and product management? Basically, as to product manager you're overseeing the whole thing so you have all the different 
um, parts that come together, maybe PR, uh, distribution, um, so you got graphic department, etc. You're kind of that one person that um, coordinates it all, basically. Um, so whenever a band starts their, their project or releasing the album, basically, then you're usually the second person to take over after the A&R because they have their vision for the band. They kind of make their plans, what they want to happen for that album. And as soon as it gets into executing all of that, then the product manager comes in uh, and is basically the main uh, main contact person for the, for the bands. And as soon as they need PR, then I run over to the little PR person saying, hey, we should start doing interviews or, hey, they've just delivered the artwork. Um, can you please take care of that in the graphic department, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, so do you... Are you the person that basically plans the timeline of all the releases? Yeah. Okay. Um, coordination. Of course, together with other uh, departments as well. But in the end, I'm the one who yeah ties it all down and um, writes a timeline, uh, coordinates it with the bands, and um, also delivers the signals to the DSPs. Um, and yeah, make sure that the marketing starts when it should start, that the PR starts when it should start, uh, all of that basically. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the heavy lifting actually. Um, so what I want to ask is, um, about timeline specifically, how have those changed sort of over the years that you've been working in this field? Like I know, so, like it used to be like sometimes singles would come out in concurrent with the album or after the album and now it's all before the albums come out so what are some of the biggest changes and why have they occurred do you think um, mainly because the the whole music scene has become more digital that um, we're not really working that album based anymore but more single based and also trying constantly trying to keep the dsps active so well, before you had those, let's say, five to six months where you had your campaign and then it all stopped again. Well, now you you basically always have to be in motion around the band and try to keep them relevant and interesting. Um, so whenever a band delivers an album with, let's say, 15 songs or something, where we're like, okay, it doesn't make sense to release them all at the same time, but we should rather... Yeah, release two before and then start the campaign, start the pre-order, have a few more singles, have the album release, and then wait until the tour starts or something, and then release some more singles, et cetera, et cetera, just to keep everything in motion um, and, and the band in the spotlight somehow. Though, of course, that's that's very difficult if you have a lot of bands um, that always want to have the spotlight. Um, yeah, a, so that's sorry. I was just gonna jump in there. I just wanted to ask, like, how do you kind of figure out then the number of singles? I know you said you mentioned like if there's 15 songs and if there's a tour, but like for a new band versus an older band, how would you kind of figure out the timeline on singles and how many to release? Is there like a specific formula or like... um the old school version was always that you start um with one single on the pre-order date then have another single about 
four weeks later. And then the third single or the focus track, so to say, um, that is, yeah, the album release single. So you always had those three singles where you wanted to have music videos or lyric videos or something um, interesting around that. Well, by now, I think, especially for the smaller bands, we start testing the waters a little bit with the first single, the second single, just build them up, see how they do on the DSPs or on, on the socials, and then actually just start looking into the physical product and um, what makes sense there. Or sometimes you actually have, have bands that are not that relevant for the physical market anymore and where you'd only go on streaming. But luckily for all of us um, who need to earn a bit of money on there, there's still vinyl selling a lot in the metal scene, um, at least here in Europe. Um, but no, I think in the, in the US as well, of course. Um, but yeah, everything is constantly changing. And that's, that's, of course, the challenge that you always need to adapt to what is going on and see the latest trends, get into TikTok and all of that. <laughs> so yeah, it never stops. Do you have any uh, insights on TikTok since you mentioned it? No, no. I actually, <laughs> I just had the discussion with uh, with my colleague today um, that we, I desperately need to get into TikTok. I have it on my phone and I tell myself every day I really need to get into that, understand how it works. I just could not be arsed so far, but I know that it's yeah. very necessary, even for metal bands. Um, and that would kind of have to find a way to make TikTok work for them because I think most most metal bands they shy away from it at, at, at this point it's like oh no it's it's so silly and it's for kids and I don't want to dance in front of my camera um so of course we we just need to find a way to to make things yeah work on that level and find a language for them something more yeah I mean, there's not just silly videos on TikTok, I'm aware of that, but this is, I think, the picture that many bands or people that are not on TikTok have from that platform, including me, actually. So oh, that, sure, has, sure. that has to change, of course. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of like aesthetic-based, everything is like aesthetic-based, you know, like based off the uh, type of imagery associated with it. So yeah, it's it's. I can't say I fully understand it myself. So, uh, are you on TikTok though? Uh, my band is just my band. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we've we've done a little bit of looking into it uh, ourselves for that reason. But uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a whole different culture, a whole different ball game there. So, I, I want to ask something. Um, because we didn't really get into it too much. What is the what is the product manager's role with social media with the band, if any? Like, do they make the call the shots on it, or um, it, it kind of depends on the label, actually, because um, many of the bigger labels they have their own um, digital strategists. So, one person who takes care of the social media part for the band or for the project itself. Um, for for Atomic Fire, it was more in. In my hands, actually, where we yeah, came up with a couple of ideas and some things that bands should film or something like that. But um, yeah, you, you can't really, you don't really have the time to dive into it as much as you 
want to or should actually. So it's always better to have a few more people uh, around that, um, it's especially with so many different platforms and each platform having their own, uh, yeah, little way of working. Fair. Um, and then so I want to ask you, so like, let's say a band signs with a label. Um, what should they kind of expect to have happen then from the time that they sign to the time that the album comes out, like nutshell version, obviously, like what, like what would they kind of be needing to expect in terms of signing to get the album out? If, if that makes sense. I think first of all, it's a lot of dry planning and just uh, timeline rollout. Um, also see, hey, do, do these guys have a tour coming up or something that we need to tie into with a release? Um, but if it's if it's a completely new band, um, I think yeah. First of all, they have their talks with the A and R, discuss their vision for the band and and what's possible. Um, of course, labor can also help to find a booking agency for them if it's really a baby band that doesn't have the contacts yet. Um, as soon as the yeah the basics are settled, then. Um, yeah, let's talk about the music. Let's get um, the masters in, uh, the artwork in. See what different formats we want to do. Do do CD, vinyl, box sets. Um, I mean, there's so many different funny little things that you can still do on the physical market. Probably not that much for the smaller bands, but still, there's there's a lot of uh, cool things to play around there. Um, and then. Yeah, plan the whole timeline, see when we want to start the pre-orders, get the signals out um, from band side. And of course, they have to take care of the music videos um, or other social media content. If you want to get something filmed together, then this is also, yeah, a lot of work and a lot of planning um, also on band side. So it's not just the band sitting back and uh, waiting for the label to preach to them. Um, I yeah, I think it's especially some of the older bands sometimes are still used to that very old school. Um, I just sit here and wait for people to throw things at me and hope that the whole campaign works somehow on its own. But uh, no, of course, yeah, everyone has to take part in it, uh, bring up some own ideas. Um, of course, we can suggest stuff to them but uh it's always nice if, if a band has a certain vision by themselves already um so that we don't have to force anything upon them of course um and yeah then there's the album release um we can plan tons of different things around that maybe signing sessions in some stores or of course release shows and then you have the tours etc etc so yeah um Speaking of tours, from your perspective, that bird's eye kind of full project perspective, do you think that tours are still essential to the marketing of of albums? Yes, absolutely. Um, I know very few bands that only work as a studio project. And that they're actually successful with that. I mean, it, it can work. I'm not saying that it doesn't work. Sure, but sure. if you want to get started out today, then you just have to get 
out to the world, play, and it's also part of the whole the whole image that you that you want to have as a band. The live show is a big, big part of that, and of course, you want to go out, you want to sell your merch. So, in times where a physical product gets less and it's all about streaming, when not that much income is uh, to be expected, if you're a small band, then touring is absolutely essential. Yeah, I noticed like even for my band, like if we play a live show, we sell a ton of merch. If we're not playing a show, I mean, obviously around the album release, you sell stuff, but like in the in-between time, it's not so much. Is it the same for signed bands and stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you constantly have to do something. Maybe, yeah, that you're going out to play shows or that you have a very, very active social media, but it really seems as if you if you're not poking people daily, maybe in one way or the other, then they're not really buying your stuff, which is super frustrating because yeah, I think most bands are thinking like I, I don't want to annoy people. I don't want to constantly me, me, me. Um Right. Cause we aren't even like as bands and musicians, we're not even like we don't want to sell our stuff. We just want to make our stuff and exactly. put it out there. So I sympathize, yeah. But yeah, of course, uh, touring is is absolutely the biggest part. Just because you, you get to play in front of so many people or tour with other bands and then people discover you, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so then... Can you maybe give us moving into the artist management side of things? Um, what what does an artist manager do for a band? <laughs> if you can, like sum it up. I know it's a huge, but um, basically, it's the much, much, much bigger version of a product manager because, in general, they're also overseeing everything, but. You don't only have that label part, which is a small part of a band's life. You also have the touring part, financial stuff, accounting, um, merch. So, yeah, and then also the, the psychology part of it, how to keep bands together, how to um, make sure that no one hates each other um, after meetings. So, yeah, basically you... You're leading a company, to, to put it in a very dry way, but um, yeah, um, it's still kind of rock and roll, but you still need to get your shit together. And there's so many things to keep an eye on, uh, which is, uh, since, I, since I've only gotten into it um, about one and a half years ago, I still have the impression that I know nothing at all. It's all... Like when you do PR, when you do product management, then that's something you can learn within like six months or something and then feel like, okay, I can do this. Well, management, there's so many things you have to keep an eye on. Um, so many people you need to be in touch with to always push your band forwards, meet up with people in Mexico and Brazil. If I, if I look at my colleague who is constantly traveling and just always pitching the bands, always meeting up with civil promoters or whatnot. 
it's it's pretty extreme actually and kind of intimidating for me still at this point let's see how it goes in five years <laughs> but yeah a lot of things you have to know and especially things that you you don't really learn at school or no one can can teach you that as long as you have someone who's kind of your mentor or who, who takes you by the hand and yeah explains a few things to you because no matter what you study at college you're never gonna comprehend the music industry or yeah even the things that you read in the books i mean there are some good books about the music industry but it's still it's it's a completely different way of of working uh, yeah do you have any books you could recommend on the music industry what is the name? I see you looking at your bookshelf, so I think you do have something. Yeah, it's, it's a German one, but I think it's uh, it's, it's kind of that Bible, everything you need to know about music business. Okay. Passman. Okay. I think many people actually mention that, so it's uh, it's quite a good one. I have a few more, but oh god, don't. I actually started okay. reading them, but after a while, it's yeah. You can email me a reading list later, maybe okay. if you're willing. Um, actually, something I forgot to ask on the product management side of things, kind of, I guess it could bleed over into the artist management side of things. You mentioned kind of trying to always keep this buzz around a band, like even in between releases. Um, is there like a schedule like you try to have a new track out to digital service providers like every six weeks every two months like is there anything specific like that or is it kind of depends on the artist um i think it really depends on the artist of course you want to have lots of singles out but it's actually quite unrealistic just because a band doesn't write that much music <laughs> so that's that's a bit tricky but um yeah, from at least from the artist management side of things, you you try to find ways to still keep the band going. So maybe releasing new merch or of course have them on tours. Um also take care of the social media. Um we yeah, we have weekly meetings where we just go through the schedules of, of all our bands and make sure that um every second day or even every day there's something posted, something that we can promote. Um yeah and then you go to the label and also try to try to keep them a bit busy but um yeah that whole planning around an artist i i see that more on the management side than on the label side just because yeah the label only takes care of the band for maybe like six months um and then when the release is out of course you still want to push them but every I guess you still have to understand that they have uh, 50 other bands on the label, so they can't take care of you 24-7, obviously. And you need to take things into your own hands at a certain point. Yeah. I guess the label's more focused on the album promotion cycle before the album comes out. And that's why yeah. pre-orders are so important nowadays, I hear. Yeah, exactly. So... In theory, it's that time between pre-order and album release that the label is really involved. 
Um, you, you can, of course, still have them on board um, later or earlier, but um, yeah, sometimes you, yeah, you can't expect them to babysit you twenty four seven. I wanted to bring something up super quickly because you were at Nuclear Blast a while back. So how has it kind of changed then, if at all, with the promo cycle then, if it's all ahead of time now? Because used to be it seemed like labels would also push an album post-release too. But now it doesn't seem that way. Or am I mistaken on that? Like even 10 years ago, it even seemed like there was more of a push after as well it seemed like that to me maybe i'm misunderstanding something i think it depends on the like if you look at radio for example radio only basically starts as soon as the album is out yeah um just before yeah (laughs) you can't promote anything that's not out um while magazines they usually come in around release date or before uh, to do the interviews sometimes you you have the privilege to have uh, the label also promote your tours a little bit, uh, send out press releases. But that also depends on the label by now. Not everyone still does that, um, just for, for time reasons, basically. Um, yeah, but I don't know if if it changed that much. ISPR in general changed a lot in the past 10 years, but For I'm sure. not sure if it's a time thing um, or when when they start. But yeah, more a matter of discovering new new ways of promoting a band, maybe, yeah, exactly through podcasts or through YouTube channels, um, which didn't exist a few years ago, or at least no one realized their importance reaction videos for example still yeah. a lot of people don't really get it yeah but um it's it's insane if you see that one reaction video gets 50,000 100,000 views while some of the interviews that in, that the band did for an online mag we see like okay it was read five times and you're like yeah so yeah there, there's a big shift there and um a lot of things change or still actually have to change and i don't even know where where the whole journey is going to or how pr will look like in in 10 years if it will still exist if it's all on social media i don't know 100 percent. um and then one other thing too just because you brought it up with the and maybe maybe as a product manager you don't deal with this so please correct me if i'm wrong here um but you said you do oversee parts of the pr so I'll shoot it over. Uh, how do you kind of explain to some of the older bands that you guys work with that they need to be focused on these YouTube channels and these reaction channels? Because we do PR as well, and anybody we deal with, they older bands seem to think it's stupid, and they don't want anything to do with it, and they'd rather get that online interview with the five views than the reaction channel with 80,000 subscribers. Like, how do you guys deal with that out of curiosity? Exactly the same problem, actually. Yeah, I mean, there there are some bands, uh, even though they're old, they still they still stay on the ball and kind of always try to, well, they stay open actually for for all kind of suggestions. But many of them are still like, hey, I'm gonna do ten interviews only for print magazines, and then 
I sit I back and let you I guys be impressed. Yeah. And it, of course you can have discussions with these kind of people and try to explain it, but I often feel that if if they so lost track of things, then it's sometimes not even possible to catch that up with a couple of Zoom calls or just uh Yeah. So yeah, I think some of those bands they will just probably die out after a while. I mean, some have some have such a big level, of course, that they no matter if they don't do any interviews with with YouTube channels or whatever, they still stay relevant. But everyone that is on a on a medium level or even smaller level, I don't have that much. Them to, but will I? Yeah, I mean, it kind of sucks when you see people that have like talent and they have good music, but they're not willing to take the steps that are needed to help other people hear their music. I, I have you know experience with that feeling. As yeah, well. I mean, on the other hand, I do understand the musicians that say, "Hey, I, I just want to create music." Why do I have to get in front of the camera every day and have someone film me and do this and do that? Um, I think a lot of people are quite frustrated when they when they start to notice that it's not actually creating music, releasing music. It's just a very tiny part of your career. And I totally understand that this is frustrating, especially for for the little melancholic soul that a musician has sometimes. Um, but yeah, sadly, it's part of the game to be that whole big nebula of social media, podcast, whatever. You always need to be on the ball and always need to get something out, interact with people. Yeah. Yeah. So you handle, when it comes to your artist management, you're handling some of the biggest players in the game, but the people that listen to our podcast, a lot of them are independent bands. Maybe they don't even have a manager. They're doing self-management. Are there kind of any tips that you can offer um, on the management side of things, self-management, finding the right manager, things like that for more independent bands? Um, I think at the beginning, it's not too bad to start doing things on your own just to learn how everything works. Um, Because if you instantly hand everything over to other people, then, of course, you're also at risk that those people might not do it right, that you found a wrong manager or someone that just doesn't do the job properly. So, um yeah try to learn things as much as you can and as soon as you start realizing hey i don't have time to create music or go on tour anymore i really need someone to handle all the business side um then yeah have a look around and it's i mean the fun thing about artist management is that you of course you can learn it at university i think probably two or three people in this world have learned it but it's Usually it's just people that are in the music industry somehow, in some way, 
uh, that's are self-taught and as long as they really love your music and believe in you then it's kind of worth a shot just trying it with them at the beginning um and and grow with them of course yeah a lot of room for mistakes on every end <laughs> same for me when when i look at how many things I, I have to learn and how many things can go wrong somewhere sometimes um but as long as you're a team and you you try to make it work together and believe in the band and have a vision for them then i think yeah just just try to find your little partners in crime and go for it there are any um any red flags that people should look out for when they're being con- if they're being contacted by managers um i think as soon as people instantly want you to transfer money to them or, or sign stuff that doesn't really I'm, I'm not that familiar with those scams, but I hear it from a lot of people that they just, yeah, get random messages on social media from people, hey, send me 5,000 uh, euros and I'll get you on those and those festivals or something like that. Um, so, of course, yeah, that's a big risk. So always try to find someone that you maybe already knew before and that you trust. Um, of course, when you're completely new to the scene and it's difficult. Um, but then again, you can see which other bands has that person worked. Um, try talking to other musician friends and just get their opinion on it. At worst, get a lawyer and let them check whatever contract they, they sent you. Um, but yeah, just just common common sense, I guess, already helps a lot. If it's if it sounds too good to be true, then it probably yeah. That's a reliable saying, yeah. One quick thing I just want to bring up slash ask you just about the management thing. So I realize you said that you you haven't been doing that quite as long, so bear with me here. Um what should a band do, do you think? If they do, let's say they do get approached by a manager, or they're in the process actually of shopping for a manager, let's say what would be the things you would suggest they look for in the manager? I realize the manager also has to want the band, but like, let's, let's say that they want to get a manager. What should they be looking for in terms of like, what, like, what are the things? It, well, if they, if they are looking for someone and have not been contacted by that person yeah. yet, yeah. I think it makes sense to to look in your in your subgenre first. Um, I don't know if you play music that sounds like Lamp of God and see who manages Lamp of God and try to probably get in touch with Five B, um, something like that. It, it might not always work, but then even if you don't go for the biggest bands and the biggest manager, probably see for the smaller ones, um, and. It also it also matters what what you expect from a manager because there are different things that managers can actually handle for you. Some only do the the admin stuff and the paperwork basically. Others want the full packages where yeah 
they take care of every aspect of or even be some sort of personal assistant to to that musician but i think that has uh, that is not really the case anymore that used to be in the 80s maybe um but yeah you can also just do a, a light version and say hey i really need help in that field can you can you assist me with that while i still handle other things like i, I want to take care of the merch i want to talk to the label myself um that is also totally fine and just up to what you actually need in your situation i got one more follow-up on that actually so um what would you say a manager would be looking for in a perspective client like a, for a newer band because the, again bands are always saying i need a manager when they don't really need a manager they just want someone to hold their hand basically like you said but like what like what what would you say a manager or management company would be wanting before they would be t willing to take on a newer band um well of course besides the fact that they have some some sort of commercial potential in a way and you actually think okay i'm, I'm gonna make money with that client maybe as, as stupid as that um, well, most also, bands don't even think about that though they think they go <laughs> yeah, like i have five followers i need a manager and it's like no you don't but anyways yeah yeah that's the thing i mean you, you need to have a certain potential and you, you can still be a super small band that doesn't um have super many followers or, or many streams but if there's some sort of development that shows and even if you've just been around for one year, but hey, there's already some some growing uh, on your DSPs or whatever, then um, of course that sparks a certain interest and you can start believing in that band or, or artist. Um, but yeah, and, and on the other hand, you really, really want people that want to work with a manager and not just sit back and let people do their well. You need a team basically to make to make a band work, and of course the manager can can handle certain things on his own, but the band needs to participate. They need to shoot the content. They need to think about merch designs and uh, just actually. What is my band about? What do I want to communicate to people? That is something that you probably shouldn't let your manager decide upon as long as you really don't give a shit. But if you don't give a shit, then your manager is not going to be interested. You People want a strong vision, want a band that actually has a certain goal and wants to make things work and especially is willing to to invest a lot of time possibly even money into getting to the next steps uh yeah i think that is that is the most important part just communication not being too slow not ignoring emails the whole day um that already makes a big difference so as long as you see that people are engaged then it's good cool yeah i think this is a thing that a lot of bands don't quite get that's why i just wanted your input on that part right there Yeah, I um, actually, you brought something up a bit earlier that I kind of want to go back to. You said managing, sometimes the artist manager kind of handles the 
interpersonal um, or helps to try to maintain interpersonal relationships between uh, band members. Um, in that regard, what do you think are like the major like band killers, things that come between people and make bands fall apart in, in your opinion? Um, egos and money, I guess. Um, it's, I mean, it's really hard to be in a band, let's be honest. You have those what five people or something and they all have agree on something. I mean, if, if I think back at, at school where I had to do teamwork uh, with my classmates and it's, so yeah, I'm, I'm always impressed how bands can make things work for over 10, 20, 30 years and still, yeah, still function together because agreeing on something is not easy, but, um, yeah, it, it's about making compromises. But also knowing when one person is right and when not. So when do I actually have to have to discuss and fight someone? Picking um, your battles, sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, yeah, of course. I think money is also a big part. Where if if at the beginning of of a band's foundation, you don't instantly decide, okay. This, uh, this person writes the songs and therefore gets uh, the credit and the income. And yeah, it can get ugly pretty quickly, I think. Um, oh, yeah. Anytime, actually. But yeah, so, so being a little bit the, the one in between and trying to not let people kill each other is also sometimes a big part. I mean, not all bands are difficult or anything, not at all, but uh, of course it happens in, in a long relationship um, of, of being in a band. So. I mean, that's just like, it's people being in a relationship together for a long time. It's just like, you know, people in relationships fight. You get yeah, disagreements about you things. Marriage counselor a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I, want, I, can I, imagine. I wanted ahead, to jump Chris. in really quickly. Um, so I know we're starting to wind down on time, but hopefully this this one doesn't take too long. So what would you say would be your top tip for a newer band in like for their own self-promotion? Like what should they be doing to invest in themselves? Would it be social media, do you think? Uh, videos, ads, image, like what, what do you think? Because you work for a couple of big labels, so... What would be the key thing out of everything other than investing in their own music and making it sound good? Let's assume they have that promotion wise that they should be investing in or putting their time in like one key thing in your mind. Sadly, all the things that you just mentioned, that's the Damn it. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's really hard because. Let's say music videos are a very big part and important. But then again, if you only have the music video up on YouTube, but you don't have any any promotion, any ads going, no one's going to see your super cool video. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, then, then you need ads or you need some additional social media content that you need to film or whatever. 
to to actually promote your video again so it's all going full circle all the time and um i i totally understand how frustrating that can be for a band that just put a lot of money into into yeah finalizing their album getting it mixed and masters which is shitloads of money actually and then you're there standing there in front of your little social media account with 20 followers and just think okay how how do i get people to listen to my music after you spent the budget yes yes so it's actually yeah being in a band is one big black hole for your entire wallet yeah it really is yeah so try to play a couple of shows and maybe get a bit of money from that but yeah, at the beginning, it's just investing a lot and a lot of money. And no one can guarantee you that it works out. That's the that's the very sad thing. So yeah, every every musician still has my, my biggest respect just for going in and trying to make it work, actually trying to make it work for decades without ever probably taking off, but still believing in it and being so passionate about it that they don't want to let it go. So it takes a lot to to be that person, definitely. Well, I think it's about time for us to wrap things up. Do you have anything you want to share about what's coming up for you in the next year or six months that you think people should pay attention to? Oh, well, it's it's never about me actually. It's just about my band. So um, no, we've got got a new Insomnium EP coming up on November third, and a European tour. So that might be interesting. Um, oh yeah, that should be. Yeah, <laughs> so many things going There's on. Constantly, um, things probably going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, uh, no. Um, it's it's it never gets boring that's the good thing about the music industry absolutely well thanks again so much for coming on the podcast this was really interesting conversations appreciate your insight thank you for having me and everyone listening thank you for listening and until next time make like a bull and throw those horns up If you enjoyed this podcast, please help spread the word by following or subscribing to us, recommending it to your friends, or leaving us a review on your platform of choice. Thank you for listening to Heavy Business, brought to you by C-Squared Music.